Chapter Number Two of He. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by David Gavin. Publishers' interjections read by Julie Mariam. Editor's notes read by Niru Ayer. He by Andrew Lang and Walter Harris Pollock. Chapter Two: Polly's Narrative. I am the plainest woman in England, bar none. I may as well say at once that I will not be responsible for Polly's style. Sometimes it is flat, they tell me, and sometimes it is flamboyant, whatever they may mean. It is never the least like what one would expect an elderly Lady Don or Donna to write. Even in youth, I was not strictly speaking voluptuously lovely. Short, stumpy, with a fringe like the thatch of a newly evicted cottage, such was my appearance at twenty, and such it remains. Like Cain, I was branded. See the mark of Cain, Arrowsmith, an excellent shilling's worth. As if there's not log rolling. But enough of personalities. I had in youth but one friend, a lady of kingly descent. The kings, to be sure, were Irish and of bewitching loveliness. When she rushed into my lonely rooms one wild winter night, with a cradle in her arms, and a baby in the cradle, when she besought me to teach that infant Hittite, Hebrew, and the differential calculus, and to bring it up in college, on commons, where the air is salubrious, what could I do but acquiesce? It is unusual, I know, for a student of my sex, however learned, to educate an infant in college and bring her up on commons. But for once the uncompromising nature of my charms strangled the breath of scandal in the bud, and little Leonora Odolite became the darling of the university. The old keeper of the Bodleian was a crusty bachelor, who liked nothing young but calf and preferred Morocco to that. But even he loved Leonora. One night the little girl was lost, and only after looking for her in the Hebdomadal boardroom, in the Sheldonian, the Puseum, and all the barges, did we find that unprincipled old man amusing her by letting off crackers and Roman candles among the Mexican MSS in the Bodleian. These were the halcyon hours. Happier as Leonora grew up and received the education prescribed for her by her patent. Her Hebrew was fair, and her Hittite up to a first class, but, to my distress, she mainly devoted herself to Celtic studies. I should tell you that Leonora's chief interest in life was the decipherment of the inscriptions on her cradle, the mummy case which had rocked her ancestors since Abraham's time and which is now in your possession. Of itself, it is a sufficient proof of the accuracy of this narrative. The mummy case is not the ordinary coffin of Egyptian commerce. The hieroglyphs have baffled Dr. Isaac Taylor and have been variously constructed as Chinese, Etruscan, and Basque by the various professors of these learned lingos. Don't you think this bit is a little dull? The public don't care about dead languages. Story can't possibly get on without it, as you'll see. You must have something of this sort in a romance. Look at Poe's cipher and the gold beetle, 
and the chart in treasure island and the portuguese scroll in king solomon's mines now about this mummy case you must know that it had been in leonora's family ever since her ancestress theodolite pharaoh's daughter left egypt not knowing when she was well off and settled in ireland of all places where she founded the national prosperity is not this a little steep no it is in all the irish histories see lady wilde's ancient legends of ireland if you don't believe me the mummy case and a queer ring inscribed with a duck a duck's egg and an umbrella were about all that the odolites kept of their ancient property the older leonora grew the more deeply she studied the inscriptions on the mummy case she tried it as zend tried it as sanskrit and japanese and the american language and finally she tried it as irish we had a very rainy season that winter even for oxford and the more it rained the more leonora poured over that mummy case i kept telling her there was nothing in it but she would not listen to me end of chapter two recorded by david gavin at www.thevoiceoverall.net in Great Barrington, Massachusetts, on March 23, 2010.